Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Be seated. As a pastor, I often get questions about what heaven is going to be like. What happens when we die? Where will we be? What will we be doing? Will I know everyone? Will my family still be my family? Lots of questions. And the truth is, the Bible doesn't give us a lot of answers. We get glimpses, like we did last week on All Saints Day. No hunger, no thirst, no sin or death. God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Good stuff. But still... We'd like to know more. But I think trying to teach us about our next life is a bit like trying to teach a baby in the womb what life in this world is going to be like for her. She'll be the same mostly inside the womb and out, and yet her life will be completely different too. So too for us. You'll be the same person you are, but your life will be completely different. And yes, better. So the Sadducees we heard about today in the Holy Gospel asked Jesus a question like this about what heaven is going to be like. And especially and specifically for this poor woman who it seems couldn't have children. Now what they're talking about in their question to Jesus is a provision in the Old Testament law called Leverite marriage. It was established as a way to preserve the name and inheritance of a family. If a man died before having children, his brothers were supposed to care for his widow and try to provide an heir for his property. Now set aside the fact that this is not how we do things today and taking your brother's wife just sounds wrong. Things were different then. And especially when you lived in a land that had been given to you by God, and carefully divided up, each tribe getting a specified area, and then each family within that tribe also getting a piece of the land. That land was important. It was a gift from God himself. That land was your inheritance, and so you needed an heir. So, while you may get the heebie-jeebies about such a practice today, you can understand the reason for it. So, the Sadducees tell Jesus, or ask Jesus, what's heaven going to be like when you have this kind of situation? But you know, sometimes when I receive questions about heaven, the person asking doesn't really want an answer. The question is asked because they do not believe in a heaven or a life after this one. 
They want to be absurd and ask a question that cannot be answered and so prove that they're right in their belief. They want to win the argument. Heaven is a hoax. And so again, with the Sadducees. They didn't like Jesus. Together with the Pharisees and the scribes, they were constantly trying to discredit Jesus and trip him up with their questions. And so it is here. The Sadducees weren't really interested in an answer because they didn't believe in the resurrection. That's the first thing. Couple that with the fact that the reason for Leverite marriage had disappeared a long time ago. Those tribal inheritances had long ago been wiped out in war, and they were now living under the rule of Rome. And you get the picture. They weren't really looking for an answer. No, they were proud of themselves for coming up with a question that will prove them right and embarrass Jesus. Show him to be the charlatan they know he is. So, Jesus, what's heaven going to be like? How will this kind of situation be unraveled? But as he showed before, Jesus is good at diffusing such bombs. Our trickiness is not nearly so tricky as we think. The answer is easy for Jesus. Marriage, the procreation of children, inheritance rights, and your family name are all of this world, not the next. The next is different. You'll be the same, mostly, but your life will be completely different. For the sin that caused childlessness, that caused death, that caused all kinds of sadness here, will be gone. And that woman and those seven brothers, they are all sons of God. That will be their identity And they are all sons of the resurrection, and so their inheritance is in heaven. Because you see, Sadducees, there is, in fact, a resurrection and a life after this one. And after this world ends and your life here ends, he's still God and the God of the living. Those still living, even though they have been birthed from this life to the next. And that is the birth you and I are waiting for. The birth that we remembered with joy last week with our All Saints Day commemoration, the birth that we remember each of these last few weeks of the church year as our focus turns to the end and Jesus coming again in glory. And it's good to look to that day and look forward to that day. Even if we don't know exactly what that day and new life will be like. Just as a new baby has lots of surprises once she is born into the world and lots to learn. And it's so fun to watch children discover and learn new things and experience new joys and see the looks on their faces. Perhaps God will have that same joy 
when he gets to see the look on your face when you get there and see the life he has in store for you. But now, of course, our children not only experience a lot of first joys, but a lot of first pains as well. Sin, death, evil, hurt, violence, and the look on their face. You can tell. It doesn't make sense to them. Why? Why did this happen? And they run to mom and dad for safety. Until they get used to it. And it just becomes a part of life. But it's not just a part of life. At least not life as God intended it to be for us. It's an intrusion into life. An infection in our body. An invasion of evil into a world created good by God. An interruption of life by death. And none of it was meant to be. None of it had to be. But it is. Like it was for this poor woman we heard about today. Who got passed around to seven brothers and still didn't have any children. And perhaps you know people like her. Probably not in exactly the same situation. But in desperate need of help. In desperate need of hope. The help and the hope Jesus has come to provide. But the Sadducees, they couldn't see it because they kept trying to fit Jesus and his life and his side of eternity into their own box, into the way they thought of things. Like with this woman in marriage, how will what we see and know here fit what will be then and there? Answer, it won't. Because things will be different. Just as Jesus is different. Jesus' life come into a world of death. To give it, to give us life again. To set things right in the forgiveness of our sins. So as strange as this world is to a newborn child... So is Jesus in our world. To what we see, to what we're used to. The sinless one in a sin-filled world. The one who loves perfectly in a world full of imperfect love. The one who has come only to serve, not to be served. And to lay down his life for us on the cross That by paying the price for your sin on the cross, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. Sin no longer be at home in your body and have no place in your life. And that by his dying your death, your death be overcome too. Because you've heard the saying, right? You can have it when you pry it from my cold, dead hand. That's what Jesus did. 
He pried your life from death's cold hand when he rose from the dead. And that victory he achieved when he left death in the grave in his rearview mirror, he then gave to you when he baptized you. When you became a child of the living one, not of the dead. A child of heaven. A child already reborn. Born again. Born from above into a new life. A new life that you have now And that will never end. Because now in Jesus, when you die, you will simply pass from life to life. From life in this world of sin and death. To life in a world with no sin and death. Only joy. Only perfection. Life the way your heavenly father designed it for you. Which means that even living now in a world filled with sin and disappointment and hurt and pain and suffering and death and all kinds of evil, you have hope and help. You have a father to run to. For while all these things can affect you and certainly do and will, life isn't easy. They cannot overcome you. For you belong to the one who has overcome them. The one who has come for you and rescued you. The one who has given you his name and his inheritance. An inheritance and a name that will last forever. And then the hope and help you have received, you can now also give. To the likes of that poor woman we heard about today. Or anyone else you know of like her. Those in desperate need of help and hope. Because you have what they need. Not a strength or a quality or anything in you. You have what they need. Because you have Jesus. So give them Jesus. Give them his love. His forgiveness. His mercy and care. And above all, his word of promise and life. Because you see, we keep, when we keep heaven as heaven and earth as earth, we'll get it right. We'll see right. It's when we mix them up and we get them confused that we get it wrong. When we try to make life here A heaven on earth, like we talked about last week when we talked about what it means to be blessed. Or when we try to think of heaven in terms of earth, like the Sadducees did today, it doesn't work. Everything gets confused, and we just get more confused about Jesus and about us and about what he is doing and about what we should be doing. So better to keep the two distinct. That life here is not heaven on earth and never will be. And life there is not earth in heaven. But the life we live here and now on earth in the struggle with sin and death. Is the life that we will then live forever. When there is no more sin and death. The same but completely different 
And the feast we now receive, a foretaste of the feast we will receive forever. Jesus' feast, the feast of life. And that woman, the Sadducee, is asked about, in the resurrection, she's not going to have seven husbands, but seven brothers in Christ. And she'll see her brothers named Moses, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And add your name to that list too. For all who are children of God are brothers and sisters in Christ. And if that's the case, maybe, just maybe, we can see each other that way now. And treat each other that way now. Sons of God in earthly vocations. And so that person in trouble, who is in need, who needs your help, who is struggling, who is dying, is not a stranger, is not the enemy, is not an inconvenience, but my brother or sister in Christ. Even if they're not yet in Christ, who's to say they won't be? So maybe I can look at that them that way now and treat them that way now and give them Jesus. That is, after all, how Jesus sees us and treats us, giving us himself, his life, his forgiveness, his body and blood, so that we will be his now, so that we will be his forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.